Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello, 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 and welcome to the first edition of the Hawaiian Ochoa Show. Uh, no Woot this week, he's away at the moment, and I must be very, very busy because he hasn't even messaged me his picks for this week, so uh, hopefully he gets them to me before kickoff, or he's getting a flat zero for the week, and I'll hit the lead, so that's fine, that's on him. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, it's the Hawaiian Ochoa Show this week, and if you listened last week, and I'm sure you did because uh, he was on the show, that just gives you more and more incentive to listen to the show. Welcome back to the Woot & Wire podcast for the full hour, for the full show, for the whole shebang. RJ Ochoa, welcome back. It's good to have you. Hey, I appreciate it, Why? It's, um, you know, for the full show, fully settled in. I brought snacks this time. Well, uh, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's an hour. You got to be ready. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like last week, I was up at 2 a.m., kind of a little bit of a role reversal here. Uh, you're up late, and I really appreciate you staying up after a long day and a, and a big Thursday night football match. I know you've done your Facebook live. Uh, and, uh, so you're, you're just all footballed out at, at the end of this. So, uh, what snacks have you got? Uh, well, I, uh, right now I'm up. Um, like you're saying, it's a, it's almost 2 AM here, uh, in the central time zone in the States and, uh, working on every week. Uh, I write five bold predictions for the upcoming Cowboys game. And, um, you know, I like to I like to kind of start it off with sort of a personal story that I think relates to, you know, a particular taste of boldness. And uh, I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. So, you know, the Christmas song Last Christmas, Have you heard that song by Wham? Yes. And I, doesn't Mariah Carey do a version? I mean, I think there's like a lot of versions yeah. at this point. But I mean, like like seven years ago, I was playing racquetball with one of my buddies and I had this was when that TV show Glee was was really popular, really at its apex. And I heard a Glee cover of it, and I had never in my life heard that song before. And so I just thought it was like an original song that that Glee had done. I really enjoyed it. And while we were playing racquetball, I was telling my buddy about it, and I was like, "Oh man, this this song is so awesome!" And he and he just kind of stared at me. He stopped the game. He's, he's like, "Man, Wham wrote that song." And we had this, you know, we still have this relationship where we both just always want to be right. So without knowing, I just stuck to my guns. I was like, you know, no way, dude. No, Glee wrote this. And he ended up uh, looking it up on his iPhone and, and proved me wrong. And so that's sort of the, um, you know, the whole introduction to this week's and, um, you know, go Cowboys. Nice. Nice. That's, uh, I like it. And you can go through some of your other uh, bold predictions for, uh, when we talk about the Cowboys and Giants uh, game later on at the uh, end of the show, when we go through the uh, Week 14 lines, so we can so we can go with that. Um, before we do kick into the NFL news, uh, just a heads up about the Lunar Bowl, our Super Bowl party uh, that's being held here at Lunar Park in Sydney. Unfortunately, RJ won't be down here for it, but man, that would be great. Uh, but I know that you know they'll probably be in the Super Bowl, so he probably wants to be on the ground in Dallas where it's going to be. It. It's going to be all happening, but uh, it it's going to be an absolute uh, doozy. I don't know if you know that word, RJ. It's a bit of an Australian <laughs> term. 
I'll introduce you to a term naked today. You did, yeah. I'd, I'd never heard that term. I'm well familiar with doozy, but knackered, and I, I don't say it as cool as you do. Yeah. You know, admittedly, but that's a, that's a fun word. I'm definitely going to work it into, into the regular rotation. Nice. So, yeah, it's just been a really hectic day uh, in, in my life and uh, work and everything. So, I was, I was uh, DMing you and saying that I'm absolutely knackered. So, um, just, you know, if my performance is subpar, that's why, but, uh, we'll, we'll kick on. <laughs> I don't have any snacks like you, but my go-to is like crispy M&Ms. I love crispy M&Ms. Oh, see, I'm a peanut M&Ms guy, but I can get on board mm. with the crispy. The yeah. crispy's okay. Um, but there are like, I don't like peanut butter M&Ms. That's too far. Me neither. That's too far. I don't like peanut butter mixed with chocolate. I like peanut butter by itself, but you know, just leave things the way they are. You know, huh? why do we have I, to mix think... everything into with everything? The lone exception is is Reese's peanut butter cups, but but beyond that, I think I can get on board. Yep. So the good thing, you know, the olive theory made by How I Met Your Mother. If we get an M and M share pack in my household, I'm not a big fan of the peanut M and Ms or the peanut butter ones, but uh, the girlfriend likes that, and that's that's a true testament uh, to a good relationship. Is you know, there's no wastage at all because you've got all the flavors and uh, varieties covered. But uh, as I was saying, the Lunar Bowl tickets. If you head to Lunar Park Venues or BigTopSydney.com, you can buy tickets. 150 dollars, four hours, unlimited booze, food, buffet, big screens. Uh, we'll be there hosting it, trying to lock down that special guest, and uh, we'll uh, have some more announcements coming as we get closer and closer to the Super Bowl. But let's jump into some NFL news. Let's do it. Let's do it. There's not much news, but we're going to get straight into it. Uh, the New York Daily News reports that impending free agent Jason Pierre-Paul's future in the Big Apple with the Giants is up in the air. Pierre-Paul is done for the season after undergoing a sports hernia surgery. It's possible he won't be back with the Giants after playing out this year under the franchise tag. Pierre-Paul graded out as PFF's top four, one of top, PFF's top four three ends. Um, six of his seven sacks came against Cleveland and Chicago in two weeks, though. But he was trajecting uh, in the right path. He was he was playing absolutely well and adjusting to that to that severe hand injury and playing very very well opposite Olivier Vernon. But uh, maybe it could be the end for him in the Giants. I could see a team paying top dollar for an elite pass rusher. A team like yourself in Dallas that would probably like a, a pass rusher opposite Demarcus Lawrence. Absolutely, and it is interesting that. The, the hand incident of an, of an off season ago is, is seemingly behind him. I mean, you know, he's, I, I think at the time, if, if we had hypothesized this moment, I think we would have laughed because I remember at the time there were rumors that he might never even play again. And yeah. it is, it is unfortunate. It is certainly timely for Cowboys fans on this game, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you said it, I mean, the last couple of weeks, he's really started cooking with gas, but it feels like the Giants' defense, uh, certainly their pass rush, finally starting to, I, I don't want to say live up to to the investment they made, but at least, you know, trending in that direction, like you yep. said. And um, it, it is, uh, it's tough cookies for, for JPP. Uh, but you're right. I think I think somebody ultimately is going to pay him uh, for his services, whether he's a 10-digit man or not. <laughs> he's uh, been a solid 8.5 out of 10 this, uh, this season. <gasps> Uh, all right, let's uh too many uh it's one too many finger jokes in a row here. Let's move on to uh Adrian Peterson. Uh he's currently on IR with a knee injury. He said he won't return this season if the Vikings are eliminated from playoff contention before he is ready. Asked if he still plans to play this season, Peterson said that's something I envision. He's progressed to making cuts and says he can pretty much do everything right now, though he admits it's different 
uh, on a practice field than in game situations. So Peterson isn't going to play this week against the Jaguars, but there have been whispers that he could play as soon as week 15. Yeah, RJ, I ask you this. If if uh, the Vikings you know, lose to the Jaguars and are pretty much eliminated from playoff contention, uh, is that the last we'll see of Adrian Peterson in a uh, purple jersey? I'd, I'd go a step further to say is that the last we see of him in general. I mean, oh, and, wow. and I, don't, I, I know that's – I mean, I don't even really totally believe that myself. Okay. But, but, I mean, you know, what, what Adrian Peterson did in 2012 was remarkable. I, I think, you know, we will forever remember that. But Alien. this was – yeah, this was four years ago at, at this point. And so, I mean, you know – you're whoever pick a random team. I mean, what are you willing to pay for Adrian Peterson? Mm. If he doesn't, if he doesn't play another down at this point, I mean, at this point he's, he's living more off the legend of, of what he was than what he has been. I mean, the guy didn't even finish two games this season. It's a, I think Adrian Peterson is in a very similar set of circumstances, almost to Tony Romo, except he doesn't have the Dak Prescott sort of breathing over his neck. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. As you're speaking, I was trying to think of like a, a flashy team that that loves spending on you know high prized players, and Miami came to mind. But I just don't think they'd do it. I think they're comfortable with JJE right now and and what they have there. I just I can't think of too many other teams that would uh, pay the the required price for Adrian Peterson because I think if he is going to come back for another season, I think he'll do it for a right price. But I, I'm not really sure whether you know Peterson's that committed to to playing. I'm, I'm I, I've got no no idea about his commitment. This is just throwing it into the ether, but I, I'm not sure if he'd come back on sort of a league minimum or a, or a, a you know a small wage, given his what he's achieved on the field. No, absolutely, and it, it's ironic that you know 2000 circa 2009, Brett Favre joins the Vikings because they have Adrian Peterson and they're seemingly a quarterback away. I think you're right. I think you know a, at this point, APAD, whatever you want to call him. I mean he'd be targeting a situation where they're seemingly a running back away. And I don't know the the financial particulars behind it right now, but I mean, we just sort of talked about this team, the giants. I mean, just, just from a, you know, you think they, they, they might be an Adrian Peterson away from a run. That's kind of interesting to me, uh, particularly, I mean, you know, that, that could be a little spicy. Yeah. And given they have probably the slowest starting running back in the NFL, why the hell not? I, uh, and that's a big city team, big market for Peterson. That, not a bad idea. I knew there was a reason I had you on the show, RJ. Uh, let's move on to our uh, weird web story. You got to get out of here. This is crazy. You're so weird. No. <laughs> You're really weird. All right. So our weird web story. I'm proud of that delightful drop that I made uh, many, many moons ago when I first started this uh, podcast with Woot. But uh, you revealed some stuff about you earlier in the intro We're going to go a step further here, and uh, I'll get us there in a weird, weird way. But uh, this story is from Daniel Hansis, a young and -and up-and-coming writer at Uh, (laughs) NFL.com. Joe Buck once called a touchdown while in mid-P. So Joe Buck's currently on a book tour at the moment, trying to sell his book. And you know what what book tours are like. If you listen to... You know, a program like the Dan Lebertard show, they have celebrities on all the time, spruiking their books, and they, you know, they tell you the best bits to try and get you to buy the whole book, and some of the best bits from Joe Buck involve a hair plug and whatnot, but this one was on the Demoshek show, and he mentioned that he once called a touchdown pass, I think it involved Brett Favre, uh, sorry, not, not think, it did involve Brett Favre, while he was peeing live on, he was doing it live on television, television peeing into a bucket uh, you can listen to the audio. It's just found on NFL.com. It's a bit too long to play on our uh, time-stricken podcast here. But my question for you now, 
RJ, is where is the weirdest place you've either urinated or caught a touchdown live on television, or both? Well, I'd probably have to go with the former. Yep. I've never, uh, never had that, you know, that opportunity. But what I will say is, um, you know, when I was going to college here in in the states, I, I believe you call it university. Um, you know, at at the proud Texas A and M. My, my hometown's about about approximately seven hours away by drive, and there was this long stretch of nothing. I mean, just you know, it, it was, I would take these farm back roads. I mean, I'm talking, you know, two solid hours of driving worth yep. of nothing. And um, so I had to, you know, I, I think there was like some construction that day. I had to sort of set up a Gatorade bottle that I'd had uh, <laughs> because I had no choice. I mean, I, so. I, um, you know, I sort of pulled over to the, to the slow lane, put it at a slow cruise control and did what I could to, to buy some time. Wow. It was an interesting, it's what about you? Interesting. I've actually, mine is this, a very similar story to yours. It is, it did involve a road trip and I wasn't driving on, uh, luckily, but I was in the back seat and, uh, the, the drivers of the car refused to, uh, to stop for me. Uh, we weren't on any time restrictions. They just thought it would be, uh, hilarious to make me suffer, um, but, uh, the joke was on him because I grabbed his water bottle, tipped his water out and, uh, managed to make do in the back seat there and, uh, his car as well. So, uh, you know, there may or may not have been some spillage. Uh, wow. So, I... <laughs> so, so like that, that's, what's amazing. He, he would have rather forced you to do that. In yeah, his car. They, they didn't think I would actually do it. That's the thing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was, uh. That was fun. Uh, I'll speak on behalf of Wood here. We're on schoolies, which is like, uh, I don't know if you have that over in the States, but basically when you finish high school here, you, 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 most people turn 18, which is the legal drinking, gambling, smoking, whatever age here in Australia. So when you finish high school, uh, in the weeks where you wait for your results to come through, everyone goes to various locations, often beachside towns and whatnot, and just parties. And right. uh, here in Australia, it's it, it's a place in Queensland called the Gold Coast, and we went up, and we're at schoolies. And Josh, Mister Woot, was uh, very intoxicated, and he uh, he uh, urinated off a balcony and nearly got us kicked out of the hotel. So that was that was fantastic. Way to go! Yeah, way to go, Woot. Yes, I'm proud of you. Exactly. All right, uh, that's enough urine talk. Uh, let's go. Let's get into uh, Thursday night football. All right, we had a, I wouldn't say a blockbuster game, but it had a lot of narrative and a lot of storylines and a lot of talking points come out of it. The Chiefs 21 victorious over the Raiders. Uh, let's start, and you've just done a Facebook Live on this game, so you're you're fresh in the mind here, so feel free to bring up whatever you like. Uh, I start with no longer an MVP. Derek Carr puts in an arguably his worst performance of his career, as do his wide receivers, so hop in your Derek Carr and drive out of the MVP race. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to the notion that had the season ended after week 13, Derek Carr would have won the most valuable player award. But I mean, he certainly had a seat at that table. And I think now, you know, he, he had an opportunity. This was a road divisional game on a short week on a national level, nationally broadcasted game. I mean, this was a chance to really make a statement. And, and it would have been one thing if, if the Raiders had lost somewhat heroically, if he'd battled through the pinky ailment and, and everything. But for him to have had this just complete and total, you know, horrific performance, I mean, a- almost record-settingly bad, um, I think 
really is going to sit in in the minds of, of the voters because it was on a national game. This is sort of the last big moment that you're going to remember from Derek Carr from the 2016 regular season. And the fact that his team fell all the way, you know, to, down to the five seed from the one seed, it's just uh, it's a pretty big blemish. And it, it sort of feels like a college loss, you know, like yeah. like losing losing at the wrong time uh, and, and losing your status. That's sort of what I feel like happened to Derek Carr tonight. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get to the playoff implications in a second. But, you know, you're right. It, it, it was a big spot for him. And he finished with a minuscule 2.85 yards on 41 attempts, the second lowest figure in the Super Bowl era by a quarterback with 40 or more throws uh, below Brock Osweiler. So he's hit Brock bottom here. And it's just uh, – <laughs> sorry, guys, um, about that. Actually, no, I'm not. You know, Brock bottom is cool. And, you know, you mentioned the pinky, and he refused to blame the finger, which I which I like. Um, that's fine. It, it was – Sort of reminiscent of Carson Palmer last year, where he kept he did not want to blame his thumb, but it was clearly affected by it. But uh, it could have been affected by the the really coldful, coldful, the really cold and painful in those elements. But uh, you know he took a lot of his snaps from the shotgun formation, and you know he just misfired on a lot of simple throws, which you know it comes down to if you really watch Derek Carr closely, that's part of his game, but it also looked like clearly that finger or just the just the game in the spot just really affected him. But, you know, excuses or not, I'll tell you who has no excuses whatsoever, and that's his receivers. Uh, Amari Cooper's so, supposed to be this superstar stud wide receiver. He he went missing all game. Players like that are not supposed to go missing. No, they're not. And and I think a lot of blame rightfully falls on the shoulders of Amari Cooper and, and Michael Crabtree as well. But, yep. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the finger. And, and I, you know, I talked about this. You mentioned the Facebook Live thing. I mean, I think it was selfish isn't the right word, but I think it was irresponsible of the Raiders and of Derek Carr and maybe of Blackjack Del Rio to let him play. I mean, it, I think it, does, it doesn't take a great football mind to observe that that obviously, you know, inhibited his ability tonight. And I don't think that's fair to the team. You know, you, you know better than, than most about the 2006 AFC championship game. Peyton Manning hurts his thumb yep. in that game. And he tells Jim Sorge, hey, be ready because I might not be able to hit Reggie Wayne if he's open because, you know, my thumb is hurt. And I, I, I think that Derek Carr absolutely, you know, put a lower ceiling on this offense tonight. And given the, the implications of this game, I don't think that that was fair to, to the rest of the Raiders because, you know, at, at a certain point, you have to make that judgment call and say, hey, you know, Derek, you're great, but right now you're not the best option for us. Hmm. It's interesting because he did play last week and and played quite well, but uh, it, it's clearly it's suffered a little bit of a setback and he's in a little bit of pain. You've taken me on a wild ride this week, RJ. You mentioned the 2009 Colts to me and the heartache <laughs> with that, and then you just mentioned the greatest living game in NFL history, the 2006 AFC Championship game, which without a doubt is just pure fact is the best game ever uh, in, in football history. Oh, God, what a game. Um, it was it was epic, no doubt that, about it. Now that you mention it, I might get out the old tape and put that on tonight. Uh, poor Emma, <laughs> poor Emma. Uh, all right, one of the more entertaining parts of this game, uh, despite all the uh, meager, uh, you know, you know, short of the sticks or Sam Bradford esque, you know, stuff, was uh, Travis Kelsey trolling Marquette King after his punt is returned for a touchdown by Tyreek the Freak. Um, I really loved your tweet. I retweeted it off the account Marquette Prince. Loved it. Uh, what was your thoughts? <laughs> oh, that was just sensational. Uh, 10 out of 10. Uh, what was your reaction to that moment? Um, you know, I like Kelsey on the field, but then I watched Catching Kelsey, and I think he's kind of a... <laughs> so I'm just not... 
a, you know, a big Kelsey fit. Yeah, you know, I feel like Travis Kelsey is is Gronk light, and I I think that in in terms of on the field and off the field, I feel like he just so badly wants to be Rob Gronkowski. Oh, I could not agree and, more with you. And that's that's fine, and I don't have a problem with that. But he, because he's a very talented player, and so look, Market King's cool, and I love punters. Uh, I have a punters so of people two shirt. That, you know, the, oh, the really? Rich Eisen. Yeah, I, I won one on the Rich Eisen oh, podcast. Amazing. Throwing it back. <laughs> but you know, so I love punters. I love Pat McAfee. I love Market King. But Travis Kelsey, dude, you do not have to try to upstage a punter. You know, like come back to us, Travis. I mean, you know, like like seriously, recognize the moment. That that's what he you know this boiled down to is he was trying to overshadow a punter because his t- at the time his team was up twenty one to three. Come on, Travis. Yeah, come back to us, Travis. Terrible. Exactly. What do you it was, think? It's crazy. Just I have no idea. I'm embarrassed for Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Trolling a putter. Well done. Uh, all right. I mentioned uh, the playoff uh, implications. Obviously, it's massive. Kansas City now the number two seed moves New England to the one seed. And now Oakland fall all the way to the fifth seed. And it's quite funny that, uh, you know, Derek Carr, f- you know, finds himself behind Brock Osweiler in that uh, 2.85 yards per attempt record. And now Oakland find themselves behind Houston as the five seed. This is, um, I mean, this is is the worst possible situation. I think if you're the Raiders, and and this is why all season long, you know, we we when we've talked about the Raiders, it's been I love the Raiders. You know, the Raiders is sort of the Raiders are the new girl that, that transferred to school, and and you you want to like her, you you know, you've got eyes for her, you know, you you've made some some cool suave comments, but you just refuse to believe that that the romance is real because you know it, it it's how it is, and and. This is um this is terrible. I mean, for for the Raiders at this point, I mean, this is um yeah, you know, I mean, but hey, at the end of the day, at least they'll get to play the Texans if, if things sort of work out this way. Yep. Um, but this is um this is quite the fall from grace for for young Derek Carr. Yep. And on the other side, the Chiefs have an eighty two percent chance to win the division now, and the Raiders have a fourteen percent chance after tonight's game. So some big playoff implications and you know the Chiefs probably probably win the division 82% chance but although 538 had uh, Hillary Clinton at 80 something percent chance so we will uh, we'll bear that in mind <laughs> i think it's a little bit different though uh, not as much uh, human uh, you know polls and whatnot but uh, i ask you are the Chiefs a genuine threat uh, to you know to uh, represent the AFC in the Super Bowl and possibly win the Super Bowl i certainly think so i mean the chiefs were my AFC Super Bowl pick uh, back before the season started well although the, the the packers were my NFC pick and i'm happy to be wrong there but yep. you know <laughs> I, I you know and i said that the raiders were were like the girl that transferred into school the chiefs are like that small quiet girl that you never notice you know but but she just she gets good grades she's she's in all the clubs she's you know she's just consistently great and that's what the chiefs are we refuse to to give them love because they're not sexy, you know they're they're not as as nope. fun or, or or interesting as Derek Carr and they don't have punters dancing and and whatever. I mean, you know Tyreek Hill is the the most sexy element to this team and he's really just coming on. And so, yep. um, I think the Chiefs to deserve for him. Though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. but you know, yeah, the, it is, but the you can't Chiefs deny are... his talent or speed. Exactly. I mean, yep. the Chiefs are. I think finally starting to get some recognition, but it's certainly long overdue. Yeah, but the Chiefs kind of remind me of that, you know, that chick in your gray that's kind of into art and, and sort of alternative stuff, but uh, you don't really notice her until you until you put her in the right light or the right view, and then you go, hang on a minute, you know, she can be attractive in, in certain situations or 
certain ways. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I think of the Chiefs. But this is certainly the, like Andy Reid's best Chiefs team yet. Now, I keep coming back to them just laying eggs in the playoffs, you know, just losing to a terrible Colts team on the back of another great Colts playoff game against Andrew Luck. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm reveling in it. There's no woot to uh, settle my Colts, uh, you know, expectations and excitement here. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to have you. Uh, and, you know, look, they're 20 and 3 over their last 23 regular seasons, season games, which is nothing to sneeze at and a plus 197 point differential as well over that span. But my only concern is that, you know, special teams and and defense account for nearly half of their points this season. And special teams touchdowns, uh, I don't know if this this could be a whole different kettle of fish and a whole topic we could probably talk about an hour on this. I find their points fluky, especially return touchdowns and sometimes fumbles and interceptions because interceptions a lot of the times come off sort of players getting a hand on it and it just bobbles off a hand and things like that. I find interception return touchdowns often fluky. I know we've seen Eric Berry have some great plays, things like that, but that's often a streaky and a fluky way to score points. And if that dries up, I fail to see where they can outscore teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's predicated and based on the assumption that your your opponent or their opponent is at some point going to be flawed uh, in some shape or form, whether it's a decision or a moment or, or a fluky play, like you're saying. And I, I agree with you, of all routes to victory, I think it's certainly one of the least sustainable. And that's what you're talking. You're trying to maximize efforts and maximize odds. And and I don't know that, that you can do this, you know, all the way through. I mean, obviously, we've seen some teams handle it to to a lot, you know, to the whole degree. But they're the uh, the outliers for a reason. Yeah, and it's definitely not a conventional way to do it. And I just see them playing a team like the Patriots, who don't often make mistakes like that. And, and Bill Belichick will not punt at Tyreek Hill. He will eliminate your best player. And, and we saw that with Aaron Donald last week. But uh We'll wait and see how it pans out, but they are definitely getting a little bit more attractive as well. Alex Smith, you know, actually tempting to throw the ball down the field a little bit and uh, connecting deep, and that's good to see because I think that's a, a fun approach to football rather than the, the dinking and dunking that we see a lot. And just to end on a sour note, unfortunately, Derek Johnson ruptured his Achilles and looks like probably the end of his season and, and possibly the end of his career, and he's had a really underrated career uh, as an inside linebacker. Uh, I think when you really step back and look at what he's done on the field, um, I, I don't know if Hall of Fame, he could be a nominated player, but I just, I can't see him getting in, but it wouldn't shock me. No, I mean, you know, that Chiefs team, you know, Derek and, and Tom Ali, I mean, the, you know, that they've sort of just managed to, like you're saying, quietly be be, be great. And I think a, a hall of, you know, this this phrase is used so much, but hall of very good, hall of admirable. Yep. Uh, but, I, I mean, sir, you know, hall of fame is, is with the hall of fame for, for what it is. But it's uh, it's certainly somber. But, I mean, hey, uh, it, was, it was a fun ride, Derek, and it was uh, a whole lot of fun. Yeah, and thanks, uh, thanks for your service to the game, and you've been an absolute joy to watch because I'm sure you're listening to this, Derek. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's uh, let's get into our Week 14 preview. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, let's do it. Uh, we've got we already had the uh, Oakland and Kansas City game. Uh, both uh, Woot and I were on Kansas City minus three, so we're one for one on the week. I also cashed in. Uh, Daily fantasy here down under in Australia. I know you're a bit of a DraftKings man yourself. Did you play a lineup today? I did not. I, I typically wait and uh, and do just just all Sunday lineups. I'm just I'm impatient. I don't want to have to wait the whole weekend. Yeah, so. fair enough. Well, today was just a, an only, uh, just one game lineup. So, oh wow, 
that's yeah, uh that's interesting see i've never done i've done you know the two you know monday night thursday night uh, yeah. combos but yeah, this one is... one one night's interesting yeah it's definitely you know i've extended my streak now i've won four uh four weeks in a row here uh in australia so uh you know, very. Uh, I'm very happy with Thursday night football uh, in terms of a fantasy perspective. But let's uh, let's get straight into it. Pittsburgh minus three on the road at two dollars, taking on Buffalo plus three at a dollar eighty three. All of our lines, as you heard at the top there, courtesy of William Hill Australia, uh, faster, easier betting. Uh, let's go with. Uh, oh, it's a tough line. It's hard to judge Big Ben when he's on the road and when he's away. We know about his splits. We know what he can do. But I look at the way Le'Veon Bell's been used the last few weeks, and I just think that uh, no matter the matchup, and we saw that last week, the Giants' run defense is good. Snacks Harrison's been, you know, stellar, one of their better signings, but it didn't matter. Le'Veon Bell's been used uh, in the correct way, and I can just see Pittsburgh running over Buffalo, and this is a huge game for them with uh, with their division race with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. No, absolutely, and, and I think we're starting to see this. Is, this is kind of Pittsburgh's time, Pittsburgh's element, and uh, I mean, we saw what the Raiders did last week offensively against these Bills, and and I, yep. you know, I don't know, I don't know that I believe Pittsburgh is on that level, which is a weird way of thinking, but but I think uh, I think Pittsburgh's easy money here. Honestly, it, it feels treacherous, but I think it's easy ultimately. Yeah, when I first, uh, you know, at the start of the season, I looked through all the games and I try and do a prediction of like every single week, and I, I, I circled this as a trap game for Pittsburgh, but I think the conditions in Buffalo are very similar to what you see in Pittsburgh, and I think. Big Ben and this team are used to it, and there's a there's a narrative gets thrown around sort of every December that you know the Steelers are a team you do not want to face uh, in the playoffs because of that offense, and if they all are on now that you've got the added variety of Ladarius Green, uh, you know, into the mix now, it makes that you know offense far more dangerous. We saw the Giants try and double team Antonio Brown, all it did is just open up Ladarius Green, and Big Ben's going to take advantage of that lineup uh, every week. I agree with you. Pittsburgh is easy money, so. Uh, I'll be taking that minus three at even odds there. Uh, moving on, Denver minus one and a half at a dollar ninety-one. Tennessee plus one and a half at a dollar ninety-one. Uh, that game's currently down uh, on many platforms because of the uh, question marks over Trevor Simeon. The lines also kind of flipped, but I've I've actually flipped it in my own mind here. Um, I'm being a bookmaker. I just think that if Trevor Simeon plays, I can't. I can see Denver starting favorite here, uh, only by a little bit because it is on the road and Denver a bit banged up offensively. Uh, they signed Justin Forsett during the week, and he knows uh, Kubiak's system quite well. And we had Luke Charles on uh, during the week for our Moneyball podcast, and word around town in the Denver forums and the Denver blogs is that Justin Forsett may take the bulk of the carries here because uh, he knows that, that system so well, and we'll put Booker back into his change of pace role where he was far more effective this season. No, and, and you know, I think the, the Forsett signing is interesting, but... I think it's precarious, um, and and I think it's you know those dots are certainly you know well connected. But I I don't think uh, I don't think I believe in Denver to that degree. I mean, we, we saw Denver contending with Jacksonville. I mean, the, the fact that that at any point that was you know anything beyond a a, a slobber fest uh, in favor of the Broncos was humiliating. I think for Denver, I I like Tennessee in this upset, especially given the line here. I mean, I. I think Tennessee is, uh, you know, that's where I'm riding this week. Mm, it's it's a crucial game for them too because when you look at the the way the AFC South structured, and we're going to talk about Houston and Indy later on, but uh, if Tennessee will really want to win here and really hope the Colts win because then they play Minnesota and then they play Oakland on the road, both of those games. Um, and then if you know Indy can knock off Houston, this puts Tennessee in the box seat here uh, to win the division and they'll have their fate in their own hands. But 
I just can't I just can't pick Tennessee here. Uh, if Trevor Simeon plays, this offense ticks along a lot better than uh, Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch is is not good. When I watched him in some plays, I thought I was watching Tebow again on some plays. The way he was, <laughs> the way he was so quick to abandon the pass in his first read and just tuck it under and, and just so quick to run and dart out. That's just his natural instinct. It just reminded me of Tebow a little bit in that regard. It's just maybe it's the jersey and and everything else. But the Broncos have beaten every other AFC South team by at least double digits, and uh, I can see them. Uh, winning this game. But uh, if Paxton Lynch does start, I'm definitely flipping and taking uh, Tennessee uh, here. So uh, let's uh, move on. New Orleans plus two and a half at $2. Traveling to Tampa Bay, who are on a hot streak at the moment, minus two and a half at $1.83. Uh, RJ, what are you looking out for in this one? Well, the line to me here is particularly interesting. And, and I, you know, I look at these all week long and then I, I struggle here. This is probably one of the more fascinating ones all season for me because that two and a half is so interesting is. when you consider the Roberto Aguayo factor. I mean, that that could <laughs> single handedly. And so I've, I've wrestled with this all week long. And, you know, you're right. Tampa, obviously, on a very hot streak. I think it was impressive what they did in San Diego. And at a certain point, Tampa seems like the team that, or, or a team, I should say, that's going to see that luck run out. Um, but I just, I was very unimpressed with the Saints last week at home against Detroit. You know, that that Superdome is their playground, and I really expected them to come out with more force. I just, I don't know who I believe less in. And um, d- despite the the Roberto Aguayo temptation, I I, I think I'm, I'm prepared to roll with Tampa Bay, but but I'm very, very, very nervous about it. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Both both have got you know really good offenses. Mike Evans, I think, is probably an All-Pro wide receiver at this point. Um, Absolutely, I I just think he's just been marvelous, and he he could have had a lot more yards and a lot more uh, production if Jameis Winston didn't sail a few passes over his head and, and underthrow him a little bit. This game feels like a really weird game because you, you get these games every now and then where one team's trending so far up and the other team is coming off a an ugly loss and trending the other way and I think that factors into the line a little bit and where the money and the consensus goes and I just think it skewed things a little bit. I think both these teams are very similar in talent. Tampa Bay obviously have just come on strong and it is on the back of their defense. We talked about this during the week with with Woot and Noah Spence and has just added a, an absolute dynamic to this team and it's just helped Gerald McCoy inside and it's just made things better, especially Levante David's playing really well as well. But I just, I don't know, I've got a weird feeling that New Orleans are going to play spoiler here to the Tampa Bay team and uh, I think they'll uh, they'll bounce back in a big way. Uh, I think Drew Brees is going to be filthy about the way he played uh, and could not take advantage of a 32nd ranked DVOA defense in Denver last week. So taking an upset here, I'm taking... Uh, the New Orleans Saints, and I love Tampa. I'm a huge Tampa guy. I've been I've been a huge Mike Evans fan, but I just have a weird feeling about this game. All right, uh, moving on. Washington minus two at a dollar ninety one. Philadelphia plus two at a dollar ninety one. You're our resident NFC East expert. Fill us in. Well, you know, I um I know that Woot is the resident Eagles fan here, and so I yeah. I can imagine that that life uh life with him has been a bit uh, a bit miserable over the last month or so. But look. As a Cowboys fan, as a as a Cowboys perspective, I'm terrified of the Redskins. Honestly, I'm probably more terrified of the Redskins than I am any other NFC team, let alone NFC East. And wow. uh, the the Redskins offense, you know, it, it's a lot of fun to make fun of Kirk Cousins. And it's a lot of fun to poke at the the you like that drop. I'm a big fan of when you you know weave that in, but. You know, um, yeah, it's brilliant. 
you know, the the Redskins, I was honestly very surprised that, that the Cardinals were able to get it done for them, uh, for the Cowboys last week and earn them a playoff berth. But I don't think that the Redskins will, will have that much trouble with the Eagles. The Eagles have, have absolutely fallen down to earth. And uh, I, I think that this two-point line is insulting to, to the Redskins because of what they're able and, and capable and what they've done offensively. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have his way. The, the fact that it's in Philadelphia does have me a little bit more precarious than I would be uh, had, you know, had this game been in Washington where the Redskins won earlier this season. But I, I think the Redskins win this game handily. I think two points is a gift, honestly. Yeah, uh, looking at all the betting trends uh, from that perspective, when you look at uh, Washington, they're they're eight and four against the spread this season. Very high up in the NFL. That's uh, top five actually in the NFL, coming in at uh, fifth or actually tied for third. When you when you really look at it, and then you look at the Vegas rankings and the uh, the Football Power Index. Washington come in tied fourteenth, and Philadelphia all the way down there at tied for twentieth. And then some trends as well. The Redskins are seven and two against the spread in their last nine games on the road against the Eagles. So they've always had their number despite who's playing quarterback for them and, and whatnot. So I like uh, Washington here minus two. I think the line is insulting. I think a part of the line is inherently because it's a division game and you often see teams stand up and until, right. and, and you know, the, until Green Bay killed them, uh, Philly had been pretty, pretty stout at home, but uh, I agree with you. I think Washington is a playoff team, uh, and the way they're playing, it's minus two under a field goal. I'll, I'll take that uh, every day. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Let's move on to Arizona minus two at a dollar ninety-one, traveling on the road. Miami plus two at a dollar ninety-one. Uh, Miami uh, coming off a, a really ugly loss. Uh, you know, it kind of exposed a few of their flaws, and then when you really look back at their schedule and, and their month of victories, not against very strong opponents. And Arizona, uh, you know, if it weren't for some missed kicks and things, they would be a much better team than everybody thinks. They're, they're still a tough out, um, despite, you know, Carson Palmer not playing his best football, but they're still a really strong team defensively. They're tough to score points on. And David Johnson is on his on his way to just record-breaking uh, just yardage. It's just through the roof. The guy's an absolute monster. And uh, I think if the Cardinals were, uh, you know, it's weird that a team record comes into it, but it's just the way things are these days. I think if the Cardinals are like 10 and something, or not 10 and something, but at least, you know, challenging for the Seahawks, I think he would be in the MVP conversation. He should be. I mean, you know, I've, I'm a firm believer that that title belongs to Ezekiel Elliott at this point, but, and it's because of the identity that he brings to his team. Yep. And you're right. Very, very similar effect uh, with David Johnson. I mean, the, the guy's magnificent. And, and at such a young age, it's impressive. He, uh, he hops, I think, faster than I can run. It's just, it's just ridiculous. He's, you know, and he just, he also has this vibe about him. What was so cool is he was one of the main, I know, you know, the, the series all or nothing very well. I mean, yeah. he was one of the, because he was a rookie, you know, I think they were, it was, he was easier to get. I mean, it was really cool to get to know him and he just seems like the coolest guy. You know, just, just, yeah. I want to, like, I would, I would, I think we would all enjoy just sitting in the yard, him racing you while hopping. I would enjoy that. We would all have fun. Yeah. bros. Exactly. This game's really hard to, to get a scope on. Uh, it's not a game I, I really want to watch. Um, it doesn't really have any implications to me. I, I know Arizona is still an outside chance, but um, the only thing I can really point to is the Dolphins are 0-12 against the spread in their last 12 games in December. Woot mentioned that last week, and I uh, should have taken his advice. I unfortunately tipped uh, Miami, but uh, I thought Ryan Tannehill had a really good month until that, that, just that showing at, uh, at Baltimore. He didn't have much protection. I'm not bringing it up on him, and one of his picks was because of uh, his wide receiver. So it wasn't the worst performance, but 
Uh, I think a uh, very similar team, Arizona, to, to the Ravens in that that defensive front is, is really tough, and I think they can trouble uh, Miami. So I'm going to take Arizona minus two. I think I am too. You know, if you'd asked me this a week ago, I, I would have been very confident in the Dolphins, obviously. But last week, I think just spooked a lot of people, rightfully so. What I'm excited about is this is a rare white helmet matchup that's not within the uh, the AFC East. You know, you, you get that so so infrequently because the Cardinals rocking the white helmet and the Dolphins, Colts, obviously. Yep. But uh, yeah, yeah it's hey. a, that's an interesting uh, helmet take for. Uh for us all i just want to mention as well like i don't get disheartened miami fans you know your season might be over and and and, you know the streak has come to an end but i think adam gay should be really applauded and commended for for what he did early on because there was a lot of adversity and and players not performing well and he was not afraid to take a risk or, or take a chance and uh throw a few players under the bus and some of those players he threw under the bus have made plays for him uh over the past month and i think it's he's done a, a tremendous coaching job and i think it's been a uh uh, culture change in Miami. I don't like that word, but I think it is well and truly on its way. Well said. All right, moving on to San Diego, plus one and a half at a dollar ninety-one. Traveling to Carolina, minus one and a half at a dollar ninety-one. The question is, who will start at quarterback for Carolina? Because we <laughs> had a bit of quarterback controversy last week with Highgate, um... <laughs> which is the yeah. dumbest story of the NFL season. We've had some dumb ones. You know, I have a, a rule of thumb when it comes to things like this. I call it the purple pants rule. Wow. And, you know, br- briefly what it is is, if you know, if you had a job and they told you at your job, you know, hey, hey why you can't wear purple pants on Wednesdays. And if you do, you'll be fired. And you signed a contract yep. well knowing this. And you wore purple pants on Wednesdays. Who's the idiot? Is it, is it the person that came up with the rule yep. or the person who violated it well knowing? What um, if though I am the hot, like the, the, just the best worker in the entire office, probably in the entire <laughs> history of the office, and you know what that guy can do what he wants because you know what he can wear the hell out of purple pants because he looks great in it. Uh, <laughs> is there an exception to the rule in that case? I mean, and and that's the situation I think Ron Rivera found himself in yeah. this, you know this past week, which is awkward because you know it, it's tough to do. I think we all agree that some sort of reprimanding was necessary for the, for the purposes of, of, you know, being emphatic about the purple pants or whatever you want to call yep. it. But the way, the way he went about it. And then, you know, the, the series of events, it, th- this whole thing is so much bigger than a tie. There's some, some obvious dissension yep. there. And, and that's why I like San Diego in this game. Okay. Interesting. I, I like Carolina minus one and a half, uh, which is weird. Cause I'm a huge huge San Diego homer. I have been all season, I think, with my Colts sort of struggling early on in the season and having the off-season from hell, which started from a Chuck Pagano extension. Um, I've just been riding the charges. I've been, I think I was probably one of the highest, uh, if not for NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal this season on the charges. I, if you go back and you just Twitter search me and the charges, there's just plenty of charges love uh, in June Except and July. That Pagano connection. You just gravitate to Pagano. Yes. <laughs> don't remind me. Oh, boy. Um, but I uh, I just, I don't know. The line is just one and a half. I just think that Vegas is begging me to take this. I feel like uh, the, the you know, the Panthers are a much better team at home, and I think they're a better team than their record suggests, and I think the Chargers are as well. But uh, I actually, you know what? I'm changing my pick. I, I just can't do it. I, I can't pick against Phil Rivers. I love the guy, and I think uh, he'll bounce back in a big spot. Yeah, and you know, and you talk about big spot and uh, and Greg Rosenthal. Don't you know? Be careful around here, but um, you know, 
this uh, this game, I think it's a battle of the teams that have quit because, like, like I said, obvious dissension in Carolina and San Diego doesn't know if that's who they'll be next season. Yeah, I just think San, San, Diego, San Diego's quit a, a, just a wee bit less. It's a less, you know, uh, less internal type of quitting. Yeah, I I agree. It's a, it's a, that's an absolute mess, and it's hard for players to do that without hanging over your shoulder. All right, let's move on. Cincinnati minus five at a dollar ninety one. Cleveland plus five at a dollar ninety one. We won't spend too much time on this, except I think Andy Dalton's coming off probably his best game of the season, despite not having his AJ Green. And uh, I think uh, a lot of people are going to get cute here and think Cleveland will get their first win, and it is their best opportunity at getting a win on their schedule. But I just can't see it uh, the way Cincinnati played. Their defense played well, and their Offensive line played a lot better since they uh, benched Cedric Ogbui. I also mentioned RG3 to get the start for the Browns at quarterback. It's good. There's a month left of the season. See what you have in him as you head into draft season. Mike Silver reported that today. Well, you talked about getting cute. You talked about how you wore the purple pants better than anybody in the office. Yep. Uh, I am going to get cute. I think you know the, the Browns have had two weeks for this. This is this is a, a revenge game for Hugh Jackson. This is his house. Uh, I, I just think I think the Browns are all in. I think this this is the one game you know they're prepared for this season, and and I think that uh, I think maybe that happens against the Bengals. Hey, all right, we'll, party. Wait, we'll wait and see. Uh, you can just see uh, Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert, the Tyler the Tyler twins. There you go. How about that? Covering up uh, <laughs> covering up Cleveland secondary and uh, the Red Rifle getting a victory. All right, moving on. Chicago plus seven at dollar ninety five. Detroit minus seven at a dollar eighty seven. Uh, we established this week that Detroit are actually all right. They're not as lucky as we thought. And uh, at home against a really bad Chicago team, uh, I'm taking Detroit minus seven. I think uh, this is comfortable. I think just under a touchdown or at a touchdown is fine. Um, I do like what I've seen a little bit from Matt Barkley, and I think uh, good on him for giving it a go because I think many thought his NFL career is over, but I think he could you know, be a backup long-term in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I think he's earning that. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, earning some future paychecks this, uh, this, you know, the rest of this season. Uh, you know, the minus seven line is, uh, is, is, you know, it's a little bit intimidating. I, you know, I, I think you always kind of raise your eyebrows at that. But yeah, I mean, if it's safe against anyone, it's against the Bears. Yeah, if that moves to plus half, I, I might, you know, fade and, and, and maybe lean Chicago. But uh, I think at seven there, it's, you know, it's money back or uh, or you get the win there at that seven line. So you just got to be careful on a, a bit of a bounce back game. Detroit defense, you know, not living up to expectation. But let's get on to a, a real blockbuster clash. And that's Houston plus six and a half at a dollar ninety one, traveling to Lucas Oil Stadium to take on the Indianapolis Colts minus six and a half at a dollar ninety one. The Colts coming off an absolutely uh, not impressive, but a thumping victory over the Jets. Uh, just plenty of points. Andrew Luck looking good. Dwayne Allen looking healthy. And the last time we played, we really should have beaten the Texans. Uh, we really let them down. Pagano went prevent defense, and it's kind of been the tale of our season. Is we come back from a double digit, um, you know, down double digits in some sort of Andrew Luck fourth quarter heroics, or we blow a double digit lead with uh, really bad defense. You know, the Colts are the the Colts are like like a, a little brother that that keeps you know getting into trouble and I just, you know, stop it, you know, just, just go to school, do your homework and be good. Um, and, um, I, I like them. I like this, uh, the six and a half, you know, you talked about the Detroit line. If it, if it moved up a half, I like six and a half. That that's a line I'm very comfortable with. And so I'll take the Colts here in this game. Um, and, and I'm really not at all that nervous about it. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm excited. This has been a very Colts heavy week for our friendship. 
and uh, yes. so I'm proud. To, I'm proud to take them here. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm taking them as well. I uh, I think they'll win. Um, we're, we're a lot better in December. Uh, I think we're. I'll just bring up the number. We're eight one and one against the spread in our last December home game. So at home in December, we've been really really strong. Andrew Luck's playing really well, and, the, and you know the Texans roster overall much better than the Colts roster. But the difference and the disparity between Andrew Luck and Brock Osweiler is just absolutely massive. And I can see us. Uh, winning this game and not blowing a lead. Uh, let's see if Frank Gore can bring up the uh, 100 yards rushing again. He broke the drought against uh, Houston <laughs> last time. So we got a small win in that loss, but uh, we'll wait wait and see how that pans out. Uh, moving on, Minnesota minus three, traveling to Jacksonville plus three at $2. Uh, the question I want to ask you is, will Blake Bortles throw a pick six in this game? Absolutely. I mean, that that's the, the line or the, the odds that I'm most confident in uh, of anything Especially, I mean, how Blake Bortles would it be after he had this week of, you know, just total, uh, total somber, apologetic, you know, uh, fashions and, and movements. There is absolutely against the, this. This is a Vikings defense that contained the Dallas Cowboys offense. This is um, this is going to be fun. This is going to be that that game that appears on the Red Zone channel that you just keep laughing at all day long. Yeah. <laughs> so you, there's no chance of a Bortles bounce back. No way, not no. in my mind. It would just be the most, you know, it's been one of those years where you sort of expect the unexpected and there's been some really weird turn of events and some uh, some shocks and things, but this would be an absolute, uh, probably the pinnacle or the cherry on top of any shock ice cream sundae that you would see if Blake Bortles just comes out and absolutely torches this Minnesota defense, just connecting along with Alan Robinson and, and absolutely torching them. I think minus three is, is a really good bet, uh, I like the line at a field goal uh, here, uh, taking on Jacksonville, who are who are a bad team and have a lot of questions heading into the off season about what to do with Blake Bortles in that quarterback position. So I'm sure we'll t- discuss that a lot uh, over the course of the off season on podcasts and on social media. RJ, uh, let's not spend too long on this game either. It's the New York Jets plus two and a half at a dollar uh, two dollars and five cents, taking on San Francisco minus two and a half at a dollar eighty. Bryce Petty versus Colin Kaepernick. You know, contain your excitement. Just, um, you know, just stay <laughs> oh my calm. God. Okay, it's it's happening. It's happening you know. Stay calm. Look, this. Honestly, if if I had nothing else to do and this game was on, and you DM me and you were like, "Hey, a walk to remember is on," I would, I would really. <laughs> Really contemplate things. What? Yeah, yeah. That's the line. Walk to remember. There's no worse movie. Um, you know, I, uh, I mean, it's the first one that pops into my mind. But yep. Yep. I mean, it could be any. If you sent me a a 80 minute long YouTube video, whatever it was, of I would watch. Cats? Yeah, I would watch that. I, I. I, I, I <laughs> If you I, know how much I hate gardening, if Emma asked me to, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if if I would watch you garden, if you fired up Periscope, <laughs> I would watch you garden over this game. I um, I'll lean San Francisco simply because yeah. they are they are not the Jets. Yeah, uh, I think uh, the Jets may be one of the worst uh, teams in the NFL. Uh, poor Darrell Revis. I think I, I tweeted uh, on uh, Monday Night Football that. Uh, T.Y. Hilton was just slowly putting the soil on uh, Darrell Revis's career's coffin as it's being lowered into the ground. He just uh, shoveling dirt onto it because uh, he he just just torched him, uh, you know, route after route after route. And it's sad because he's been phenomenal. He's definitely a Hall of Famer, and uh, it's just a sad end to the career. I do not want to watch the, 
you know, Bryce Petty and Robbie Anderson connecting on uh, deep throws. So I'd rather watch. Uh, yeah, as you said, I might uh, might periscope me gardening. You, it'll just be me screaming at uh, flies, which you cannot see on the feed. And um, yeah, that would not. Eh, it might actually be entertaining. All right, moving on. Uh, Atlanta minus six and a half at a dollar ninety one, taking on the Los Angeles Rams plus six and a half at a dollar ninety one. Dangerous game for Atlanta here, um, taking on Aaron Donald and this defensive line, uh, possibly without Jake Matthews. Uh, you know, that that was huge. When Jake Matthews went down last week, uh, that was when, you know, the Chiefs' defensive line took over that game and Justin Houston pressured Matt Ryan and it just really limited their offense a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's no coincidence that Matt Ryan's been an MVP candidate because they've increased their protection and allowed him some time to let his wide receivers, you know, set their routes and uh, properly execute. And uh, I love watching the Falcons' offense. Um, apart from the Cowboys, I think they're the most fun offense in the league to watch. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's certainly got something impressive. Uh, I, I think that the Julio Jones turf toe injury is going to be something, you know, something at least uh, interesting over the next month. But I'm I'm very confident in Atlanta here, and it has nothing to do with this week. It has everything to do with next week, and that's because the Los Angeles Rams travel to Seattle in Week 15, yeah. and it it is very Jeff Fisher we know. to get to get destroyed by the Falcons at home and then go to Seattle and win nine to six. He's, so he's that, already thrown out the Atlanta game plan. It's just Seattle right now. Exactly. So the Falcons Seattle. are going to walk away emphatically here. Seattle, Seattle. He's very He's gone into Belichick Seattle mode here. Uh, the Rams are averaging an NFL worst 12 points per game at home. Uh, and on the road, the Falcons are averaging an NFL best 30.8 points per game. So that's enough you need to really, really know about here. Um, although the Falcons are one and five straight up in their last six games on the road against the Rams, so uh, that's that's alarming. But these aren't your uh, these aren't your Rams. These are your Jeff Fisher led Rams here, and I, I like Atlanta. Um, I think in a week where I'm not, you know, I'm fading a lot of games here because it's a little bit concerning some of the lines. But Atlanta under a touchdown here, I think. Uh, Matt Ryan bounces back and puts himself firmly back in the uh, MVP box uh, box seat in terms of quarterback position outside of, uh, obviously, your boy Zeke Elliott, who's uh, definitely a contender. All right, Seattle minus $3.91. Green Bay plus $3.91. Uh, Seattle-Green Bay games are always great. Grab the popcorn, sit down and watch it because they're always entertaining. We had the Fail Mary. We had the Bow Stick Helmet. And uh, now we've got uh, the Frozen Tundra in Lambeau. Yeah, you know, this game is really interesting, you know, literally frozen considering last week's game that yep. they had against the Texans. And th- this always happens to to a lot of teams, but particularly teams like the Packers. After, you know, and no offense to Woods Eagles, except all offense. I mean, after Green Bay beat Philadelphia uh, <laughs> on Monday night, when, when Aaron Rodgers had, had a pee, maybe, in his own weird place. Yes, but, in t- <laughs> you know... And after that game, the talk is suddenly, oh, the Packers are back. I mean, so we're we're focusing on these Packers who have beaten the Eagles and the Texans in back-to-back weeks. I don't find either of those things to be impressive. Because of their stature, because of who they are, people are afraid to to just call call this a spade, uh, you know, in a spade-like manner. The Packers suck. I I really believe that. I um, I don't find them intimidating. I think Aaron Rodgers has regressed a little bit in 2016. I think that's well documented. And Seattle's a little bit on the rise. I know they beat uh, a pretty poor, uh, you know, Derek Anderson-led Carolina Panthers team last week. But <laughs> I, I like Seattle here. And that, that three-point spread, again, you know, to go back to Washington, Philly is insulting, I think. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. It, it, it seems like Seattle's kind of had Green Bay's number the last few times they've played, and uh, it, it is it just seems to go that way. And, uh, you know, it may be, you know, you may see that Earl Thomas is out and really think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a chance against the, you know, Seattle defense missing that Earl Thomas-sized hole in it. But, you know, the Seahawks have generally done a great job against the Packers the last few years, even when the Green Bay offense was much more potent and sharper and maybe Seattle were under the weather a little bit more. And, you know, Rodgers has yet to pass for 250 yards in six career starts against the Seahawks, which I think is telling when you, you note how many times he throws the ball and how potent and, you know, how prolific he is as a passer. And he's never thrown for more than two touchdowns in those games either. So that's that's a telling stat that they've consistent against Aaron Rodgers. But then on the other side of the coin, the Seahawks haven't won a game in Green Bay since, it was, since 1999. They've, they've lost six straight times there. So... There's an you know there's a two things coming to a head here and something's got to give on on one of them but Seattle on the road league best defense 15.8 points per game I trust them and I also trust them to score points against this Packers uh, defense who you've just said the yeah. Packers are bad I couldn't agree more with you I think their their defense is bad and we know Dom Capers struggles against mobile quarterbacks he's he's yet to show anything that he's learnt from it and uh, and and cannot cover them. There's a special detail here, too, and it's that Olivia Munn, obviously uh, um, Aaron Rodgers' very famous actress girlfriend, her movie, her, her movie Office Christmas Party releases in theaters here in the States uh, on Friday, December 9th, the Friday preceding this game. You know, it's, it's no secret that Aaron spends an enormous amount of time with her. I mean, hey, good for him. You know, he's got a, a loving relationship. That's awesome. But I, I'm telling you, the Office Christmas Party curse is a thing happening to Aaron Rodgers this week. Office Christmas party curse. All right. You heard it first. I think you're going to be in uh, Woot's uh, conspiracy theory club, the NFL club. It's a very exclusive club, but I think you're uh, you're well on uh, well on your way there with that uh, conspiracy theory. Actually, there was a conspiracy theory came out today of today's game. Um, they reckon that one of Derek Carr's passes to Amari Cooper that kind of just fizzled out. There's the, some Raiders blog reckon to hit an NBC uh, cable for one of their cameras overhead over the stadium. Right, yeah, the yeah. spider cam or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. All right, settle down. Um, all right, you lost fair at square, <laughs> right? Um, all right, this is the big one. Dallas minus three and a half at a dollar eighty-seven, traveling to the Big Apple to take on Eli Apple and the New York Giants plus three and a half at a dollar ninety-five. Your initial thoughts on this Cowboys game? I think there's a lot of poetry at stake in this game. Probably my favorite detail about it is that this game is happening on December 11th uh, on Sunday Night Football, NBC Sunday Night Football. Obviously, the Cowboys and Giants in their historic rivalry have met only once on December 11th before, Love and it this. came on 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 NBC's Sunday Night Football in 2011. That Ooh. was the uh, that was the famed uh, famed Jason Pierre-Paul blocked field goal of Dan Bailey game um, that Ooh. propelled the Giants. To, uh, to their Super Bowl 46 championship that they secured in uh, in your house, Lucas Oil. Yep. And so I, I think that, you know, the fact that Jason Pierre-Paul, of all people, is absent from this game is, uh, is particularly poetic. interesting and, and poetic, exactly. And so, you know, three and a half is, um, is interesting because I, I do think this is a close game. 
you know, up until Thanksgiving, the Cowboys had ripped off eight consecutive games of over 400 yards of total offense, uh, a feat that only the 2007 Patriots and 2013 Broncos had accomplished. And I think they get back to that. You know, they, they haven't really done that since Thanksgiving, obviously. It's been a weird set of circumstances. Jason Garrett was so, uh, so emphatic on referring to Mondays as, you know, Fridays because they were trying to maintain normal weeks. And so this is really, you know, they, they've had that mini buy as we talk about so much with Thursday Night Football. And I think they're recharged. I think securing a playoff berth is a big gust of wind in their sails. And they want it. This is this is their lone blemish on their season. And I think that um, I think they're far more prepared. And and this is New York. This is the second team in a row that New York gets off 10 days of rest. I mean, I think that's going to wear on them a little bit. Yeah, I've uh, you mentioned Jason Garrett. I've come full circle on, on Jason Garrett. I uh... I always thought he was a good coach, and I thought he was unfairly criticized as a coach, but there was always something about his face that I just wanted to punch. I don't know, like kind of like an Australian and a kangaroo that we've seen this week. But um, <laughs> I've come full circle on Jason Garrett. I find him, uh, I find him thoroughly enjoyable as a coach, and uh, I like some of the, t- the strategies and you know the challenge last week uh, against Minnesota was huge, and that's a coach of the year type move. Uh, you look at the Vegas rankings, Dallas, the number three team uh, here on uh, the Vegas rankings. New York down at tied for 20th. So just a huge, huge gap for only a three-point, three-and-a-half spread is massive. And then you look at against the spread, the number one team against the spread in the NFL this season is Dallas at 9-2-1. And one. And unfortunately, uh, one of those two was last week in that backdoor cover. Otherwise, it could have been a, a far more impressive uh, record. And the Giants all the way down here in the middle of the pack at 5-5-2. Five, five and two. So looking at the betting trends, from that avenue and all the numbers, by the way, I love it when you do those like uh, those numbers tweets where you just link all the numbers together <laughs> in, in absurd ways. They're, they're just insane, but I, I enjoy them. I, I tried to do one the other day and I just could not do it. I was like, how does RJ do this? I just, I just quit. I just deleted the tweet. I was like, I could not do this. It was just the draft. It, Never saw a lot of day. It's, um, it's a fun thing. I'm glad people, uh, people enjoy it, but yeah. do you, you get know, people take I, it seriously I, and like have a go at you? Um, you know, it, it's really come a long way, I think, this season. Um, and it's sort of become its own thing on its own. And so now I'll get tweets because I, I, I like to believe at least that I connect them in a way that, that's understandable. You know, you, you can understand how I jumped from, you know, from A to B to, to C or whatever. Uh, but I get tweets all the time that are just, yep. you know, like, like they're, they're coming out of nowhere. Like somebody tweeted me earlier in the Thursday night game said Alex Smith is, is number 11, one plus one is two, and just connected that to Zeke. What does that have to do with Zeke? You know, it, it's got to make sense. It's great. It's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, for the record, I am taking Dallas minus three and a half. I just think now that they've lost Jason Pierre-Paul, as poetic as that is for you, um, that's a huge loss for them in terms of their pass rush. And, you know, that was going to be their key to success is generating pass rush against this Dallas front. We saw Minnesota have some success in in it last week, but I just think with that Jason Pierre-Paul now, it's going to be a much, much harder job for them. And on the other side of the ball, um, you know, despite having that stout front, we saw Le'Veon Bell and, and, and co. still run down the throat of the Giants, and I can see Zeke Elliott still having a big game, and uh, I think they'll I think they'll get the job done. But uh, I do think, uh, you know, Eli Manning has struggled, but, you know, in a divisional game like this, he's often the quarterback that can just bounce back out of nowhere and just pull these magical games out of nowhere. He is... You know, he does have the surname Manning after all. So uh, we'll wait and see. But I am taking Dallas minus three and a half. All right, the last game of the week before we wrap things up. Baltimore minus seven at $2, taking on New England plus seven at $1.83. This game has uh, all the makings of a, of a really good one. And every time they face each other, it has been 
a really, really good battle. And the last time they played, if Jimmy Smith, who is fit and will be playing in this game, had it played for the Ravens, I, I really, truly believe that we would never have gotten that Seahawks uh, Seattle Classic. I always, I always say that it should have been a Baltimore Green Bay Super Bowl that year. Uh, I think uh, they, they that game got away for them. And if there's one team in the entire uh, NFL that can really go into outside of Seattle that can really go into Foxborough and get a win, it's the Baltimore Ravens who finally have some sort of offense now. Uh, that was the first game of the season, and I think Joe Flacco's best game in about 18 months last week. And a lot of that was Miami being a very flawed team, but I think the signs were there. And I think I'm going to take Baltimore minus, uh, sorry, plus seven. New England are minus seven. I've done that round the wrong way. Uh, I did say that I was knackered at the top of the show, but I, I just think uh, Baltimore, I just like this matchup, especially without Gronk. Um, I can see New England. They've struggled a little bit. I know they've, they've had some easy and some really bum teams, and that's why I can't get behind Brady as MVP. They're just, they're just, their schedule's terrible, and the one good team they played, he, he did not play his best. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you bring up a lot of interesting things and, and we've talked a lot about how we seemingly think very, very similarly on a lot of things. And yep. and I, I mean, that Green Bay Baltimore Super Bowl idea you've got cooking. I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting thought. There's process. an article in that somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, that that year specifically, I very much remember the Ravens traveling to Foxborough in the divisional round going up by 14 twice and, and just thinking that, that that was over. And, you know. I I certainly believe that if any team has the confidence to to go into Foxborough and beat them, for, I think for a long time it was the Steelers, but the Ravens have really uh, taken away that that mantle uh, from Pittsburgh, and so I, I believe here, you know, I'll take Baltimore to cover because I I do think that seven is far too large of a spread, but I I do believe that the Patriots will win, sort of hedging myself, um, but but seven is just too large. You're right, without Gronk. Uh, I know that Griff Whalen is there now, so everybody has to be afraid of him. But, <laughs> I love uh, that they replaced an undersized white wide receiver with another undersized white wide receiver. That's how they roll, man. Um, Unbelievable. But, uh, but yeah, a, a Ravens cover feels nice, but I don't think it'll be enough to get the win. No, I don't think they will win, but I think they'll cover and make things interesting. I think uh, a lot of talk about uh, Justin Tucker, probably the best kicker in the NFL, uh, uh, I know you'd probably argue Dan Bailey. I think that those two right now are on a different world. But Gostiowski historically has been a really good kicker, and um, you know many people think of Billy Cundiff. Um, that could have been another uh, another straight up victory for the Ravens in in a big playoff game in Foxborough if he had made that kick. And, and Justin Tucker did uh, has made kicks in Foxborough, so I think it could come down to a field goal and something from uh, from the leg. Uh, of one of those two, and at the moment I trust Justin Tucker a little bit more. I will say this as well: uh, the Ravens are three and ten straight up in their last thirteen games against the Patriots, but they're four zero and one against the spread in their last five games in New England. So that narrative is true, and the, and the data backs it up. But the Patriots are nine and zero in their last nine games in Week fourteen, straight up. That's nuts. That's an amazing stat, and uh, yeah, I uh, I. Uh, we just want to mention as well, New England are 9-3 against the spread, so they're one of the best in the NFL. I'm just trying to find where Baltimore are. They're 6-5-1, but uh, this is a huge spread. I'm going to take Baltimore, plus 7. And uh, that wraps up the week. It's time for our Locks of the Week. The Wooten Y Lock of the Week, proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, RJ, what is your Lock of the Week? Well, I don't think it is uh, surprising, but I've got I've got sort of a lock and a sub lock for you. All the, right, here we the go. Lock, the lock being the, the Vikings over over the Jaguars. I mean, I, I'm 
you know, very ultimately confident in that. And, and I think I, yeah. I was pretty clear about that. But my sub lock and, and more of a bold lock, if you will, is that Des Bryant catches three touchdowns in this wow. game on Sunday right. night. Uh, you know, this game, you know, I talked about poetry, very reminiscent of two years ago, the Cowboys, after a Thursday night game on the road, visiting an NFC North team, they were in Chicago, they won that game, they traveled, shout out to Woot again, to Philadelphia <laughs> for that big that big Sunday night football game where Des Bryant had three touchdowns. It put them in a position the following week to uh, to beat your Indianapolis Colts and win the division that week. Yep. So I just, it just, it feels poetic. Yeah, there we go. I, uh, I'm i going to do a sub-lock as well, and I'm going to mix my games together here. Uh, my lock of the week is Atlanta, minus 6.5, under a touchdown. I think they bounce back in a big spot to try and uh, you know keep a, keep a hold atop of that division um, with Tampa Bay breathing down their neck. It's not quite an, an easy game here where they're just going to roll in and expect to win. This is a game that they're going to have to ultimately prepare for and, and not get complacent. I think uh, they'll win that game. And my uh, sub-lock is Matt Ryan will throw for three touchdowns. Uh, against the Rams and put himself back in the MVP conversation. I think he'll have a good one. Um, but there is some other g- games that I kind of like. Washington minus two is a is a really good one, and Pittsburgh minus three as well. Are some uh, some other lines that I like, and uh, there's a few in there that I that I'll avoid. But uh, that's the show, uh, RJ. Before we let you go, I just want to say a big thank you for coming onto the show. I know now it is well and truly uh, two, nearly three a.m. Uh, in Central. America there in, in Texas. Uh, before we do let you go, as as per usual with any of our guests, do you have anything to promote and plug and where people can find your work, your brand, hashtag brand, and uh, your Twitter <laughs> handle? Uh, well, Twitter um, is at RJ Ochoa, very simplistic. I'm a, I'm a common man. But um, in terms of uh, in terms of written work, uh, my, my written work can be found at InsideTheStar.com. Obviously, pertaining to the Cowboys, um, it, you know, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, the season's a whole lot of fun. Um, but um, you know, sort of my main thing, it, it is a you know, you c- call it a show, call it a podcast, whatever you want, uh, is Ocho Live, and, and Ocho Live is uh, is an interactive podcast, really, that it, that streams daily on Periscope and, and subsequently Twitter. So you can follow me on Twitter and Periscope at RJ Ochoa but also on Facebook Live, and it streams on my personal Facebook Live, if you're my friend like you, why I happen to be, yes. or um, or on the Inside the Star Facebook Live feed. You can go like Inside the Star and, and watch it there. So every day, approximately 3 p.m. Central Time, we go on, we talk about the state of the Cowboys, what's going on. We also go on at halftime and postgame every Cowboys game to discuss the matters that are happening and what happened and, and what have you. And uh, we go on postgame after every primetime game, like you alluded to at the top of the show. Yep. And, you know, it, it's cool. But just because because of the comments, because everything is so live, it, it's uh, – and I do, for what it's worth, record it as a podcast. And you can subscribe to Ocho Live, the podcast, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, SoundCloud, and all that jazz. It's it's cool. I mean, it, it's uh, something I really enjoy because it, it provides that live interaction that um, you know sort of establishes a community feel to it. And I, I have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and we've talked about that at length uh, on a very special episode a while back. Uh, I can't even remember when, but uh, we spoke about community and the importance of social media and Twitter in terms of our viewing uh, viewing experience in terms of football and sport. And uh, I. I recommend anyone to check that out, uh, not because of me, but because of RJ. And uh, that wraps up the show. And, uh, again, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, I really appreciate you filling in for me, uh, for Woot, uh, and helping me out. And uh, thanks again, and we uh, will definitely have you on uh, 
as the Cowboys surge again into the playoffs because they're going to clinch a spot this weekend. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow the show at Wooten Wine. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, Radio Hub, and on TuneIn Radio. Please buy Luna Bowl tickets. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>